Orinoco by Thomas Southern. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Tragedy of Orinoco. Dramatis Personi. Orinoco, read by Todd. Abuin, read by Larry Hayes. Lieutenant Governor, read by Algy Pug. Blanford, read by Thomas Peter. Stanmore, read by Jason in Panama. Jack Stanmore, read by Kurt. Captain Driver, read by Roger Moline. Daniel Lackett, read by Nemo. Hotman, read by Nemo. Imuinda, read by Sandra Schmidt. Widow Lackett, read by Lian Yao. Charlotte Weldon, read by Beth Thomas. Lucy Weldon, read by Sonia. First Planter, read by Melanie T. Second Planter, read by Nemo. Third Planter, read by Paezra. Fourth Planter, read by Thomas Copeland. Slave, read by Algie Pag. Singing Slave, sung by Alan Mapstone. Women Slaves, read by Sonia. And Eva Davis. Servant, read by Devora Allen. And narrated by Eva Davis. Prologue. As when in hostile times two neighboring states strive by themselves and their confederates, the war at first is made with awkward skill, and soldiers clumsily each other kill, till time at length their untaught fury tames, and into rules their heedless rage reclaims. Then every science by degree is made subservient to the man destroying trade wit wisdom reading observation ought a well-turned head to guide a generous heart so it may prove with our contending stages if you will kindly but supply their wages which you with ease may furnish by retrenching your superfluities of wine and wrenching who'd grudge to spare from riot and hard drinking, to lay it out on means to mend his thinking, to follow such advice you should have leisure, since what refines your sense refines your pleasure. Women grow tame, by use each fool can get, but cuckolds all are made by men of wit. To virgin favors fools have no pretense, for maidenheads were made for men of sense. Tis not enough to have a horse well-bred. To shew his mettle, he must be well-fed. Nor is it all in provender and breed. He must be tried and strained to mend his speed. A favoured poet, like a pampered horse, will strain his eyeballs out to win the course. Do you but in your wisdoms vote it fit to yield due suckers to this war of wit? The buskin with more grace shall tread the stage. Love sigh in softer strains, heroes less rage. Satire shall show a triple row of teeth 
and comedy shall laugh your fops to death which shall refine and pegasus shall foam and soar in search of ancient greece and rome and since the nations in the conquering fit as you by arms will vanquish france and wit the work were over could our poets write with half the spirit that our soldiers fight the scene suriname a colony in the west indies at the time of the action of this tragedy in the possession of the english act one scene one enter weldon following lucy what will this come to what can it end in you have persuaded me to leave dear england and dearer london the place of the world most worth living in to follow you to a husband hunting into america i thought husbands grew in these plantations why so they do as thick as oranges ripening one under another week after week they drop into some woman's mouth tis but a little patience spreading your apron in expectation and one of em will fall into your lap at last ay so you say indeed but you have left dear london you say pray what have you left in london that was very dear to you that had not left you before speak for yourself sister nay i'll keep you in countenance the young fellows you know the dearest part of the town and without whom london has been a wilderness to you and me had forsaken us a great while forsaken us i don't know that they ever had us forsaken us the worst way child that is did not think us worth having they neglected us no longer designed upon us they were tired of us women in london are like the rich silks they are out of fashion a great while before they wear out the devil take the fashion i say you may tumble them over and over at their first coming up and never disparage their price but they fall upon wearing immediately lower and lower in their value till they come to the broker at last ay 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 that's the merchant they deal with the man would have us at their own scandalous rates their plenty makes them wanton and in a little time i suppose they won't know what they would have of the women themselves oh yes they know what they would have they would have a woman give the town a pattern of her person and beauty and not stay in it so long as to have the whole piece worn out they would have the good face only discovered and not the folly that commonly goes along with it they say there is a vast stock of beauty in the nation but a great part of it lies in unprofitable hands therefore for the good of the public they would have a draft made once a quarter send the decaying beauties for breeders into the country to make room for new faces to appear to countenance the pleasures of the town tis very hard the men must be young as long as they live and poor women be thought decaying and unfit for the town at one or two and twenty i'm sure we were not seven years in london not half the time taken notice of sister the two or three last years we could make nothing of it even in a visored mask not in a visored mask that has cheated many a man into an old acquaintance our faces began to be as familiar to the men of intrigue as their duns and as much avoided we durst not appear in public places and were almost grudged a gallery in the churches even there they had their jests upon us and cried 
she's in the right on it good gentlewoman since no man considers her body she does very well indeed to take care of her soul such unmanly fellows there will always be then you may remember we were reduced to the last necessity the necessity of making silly visits to our civil acquaintance to bring us into tolerable company nay the young inns of court beaux of but one term standing in the fashion who knew nobody but as they were shown them by the orange woman had nicknames for us how often have they laughed out there goes my landlady is she not come to let lodgings yet young coxcombs that knew no better and that we must have come to for your part what trade could you set up in you would never arrive at the trust and credit of a guinea board you would have too much business of your own ever to mind other people's that is true indeed then as a certain sign that there was nothing more to be hoped for the maids at the chocolate houses found us out and laughed at us our billet doux lay there neglected for waste paper we were cried down so low we could not pass upon the city and became so notorious in our galloping way from one end of the town to the other that at last we could hardly compass a competent change of petticoats to disguise us to the hackney coachman and then it was near walking a foot indeed nay that i began to be afraid of to prevent which with what youth and beauty was left some experience and the small remainder of fifteen hundred pounds apiece which amounted to bare two hundred between us both i persuaded you to bring your person for a venture in the indies everything has succeeded in our voyage i pass for your brother one of the richest planters here happening to die just as we landed i have claimed kindred with him so without making his will he has left us the credit of his relation to trade upon we pass for his cousins coming here to surinam chiefly upon his invitation we live in reputation have the best acquaintance of the place and we shall see our account in it i warrant you i must rely upon you enter widow lacket master weldon your servant your servant mistress lucy i am an ill visitor but it's not too late i hope to bid you welcome to this side of the world salutes lucy gad so i beg your pardon widow i should have done the civilities of my house before but as you say tis not too late i hope going to kiss her what you think now this was a civil way of begging a kiss and by my troth if it were i see no harm in it tis a pitiful favour indeed that is not worth asking for though i have known a woman speak plainer before now and not understood neither not under my roof have at you widow why that's well said spoke like a younger brother that deserves to have a widow you're a younger brother i know by your kissing how so pray why you kiss as if you expected to be paid for it you have bird lime upon your lips you stick so close there's no getting rid of you i am akin to a younger brother so much the better we widows are commonly the better for younger brothers lucy aside better or worse most of you but you won't be much better for him i can tell you i was a younger brother but an uncle of my mother's has maliciously left me an estate and i'm afraid spoiled my fortune no no an estate will never spoil your fortune i have a good estate myself thank heaven and a kind husband that left it behind him thank heaven that took him away from it widow and left you behind him nay heaven's will must be done he's in a better place a better place for you no doubt on it 
now you may look about you choose for yourself mistress lackett that's your business for i know you design to marry again oh dear not i i protest and swear i don't design it but i won't swear neither one does not know what may happen to tempt one why a lusty young fellow may happen to tempt you nay i'll do nothing rashly i'll resolve against nothing the devil they say is very busy upon these occasions especially with the widows but if i am to be tempted it must be with a young man i promise you mistress lucy your brother is a very pleasant gentleman i came about business to him but he turns everything into merriment business mistress lackett then i know you would have me to yourself pray leave us together sister exit lucy charlotte aside what am i drawing upon myself here you have taken a very pretty house here everything is so neat about you already i hear you are laying out for a plantation why yes truly i like the country and would buy a plantation if i could reasonably oh by all means reasonably if i could have one to my mind i would think of settling among you oh you can't do better indeed we can't pretend to have so good company for you as you had in england but we shall make very much of you for my own part i assure you i shall think myself very happy to be more particularly known to you dear mistress lackett you do me too much honour then as to a plantation master weldon you know i have several to dispose of master lackett i thank him has left me though i say it the richest widow upon the place therefore i may afford to use you better than other people can you shall have one upon any reasonable terms that's a fair offer indeed you shall find me as easy as anybody you can have to do with i assure you pray try me i would have you try me master weldon well i like that name of yours exceedingly master weldon my name oh exceedingly if anything could persuade me to alter my own name i verily believe nothing in the world would do it so soon as to be called mistress weldon why indeed weldon does sound something better than lackett oh a great deal better not that there is so much in a name neither but i don't know there is something i should like mightily to be called mistress weldon i'm glad you like my name of all things but then there's the misfortune one can't change one's name without changing one's condition you'll hardly think it worth that i believe think it worth what sir changing my condition indeed sir i think it worth everything but alas master weldon i have been a widow but six weeks tis too soon to think of changing one's condition yet indeed it is pray don't desire it of me not but that you may persuade me to anything sooner than any person in the world who i mistress lackett indeed you may master weldon sooner than any man living oh, lord there's a great deal in saving a decency i never minded it before well i'm glad you spoke first excuse my modesty but what modesty means nothing and is the virtue of a girl that does not know what she would be at a widow should be wiser now i will own to you but i won't confess neither i have had a great respect for you a great while i beg your pardon sir and i must declare to you indeed i must if you desire to dispose of all i have in the world in an honourable way which i don't pretend to be in any way deserving your consideration my fortune and person 
if you were to understand me without telling you so are both at your service glad so another time enter stanmore so mistress lackett your widowhood's weaning apace i see which way it is going weldon you're a happy man the women in their favours come home to you a fiddle of favour master stanmore i am a lone woman you know it left in a great deal of business and business must be followed or lost i have several stocks and plantations upon my hands and other things to dispose of which master weldon may have occasion for we were just upon the brink of a bargain as you came in let me drive it on for you so you must i believe you or somebody for me i'll stand by you i understand more of this business than you can pretend to i don't pretend to it it is quite out of my way indeed if the widow gets you to herself she will certainly be too hard for you i know her of old she has no conscience in a corner a very jew in a bargain and would circumcise you to get more of you is this true widow speak as you find master weldon i've offered you very fair think upon it and let me hear of you the sooner the better master weldon exit i assure you my friend she'll cheat you if she can i don't know that but i can cheat her if i will cheat her how i can marry her and then i'm sure i have it in my power to cheat her can you marry her yes faith so she says her pretty person and fortune which one with the other you know are not contemptible are both at my service contemptible very considerable egad very desirable why she's worth ten thousand pounds man a clear estate no charge upon it but a booby son he indeed was to have half but his father begot him and she breeds him up not to know or have more than she has a mind to and she has a mind to something else it seems weldon musing there's a great deal to be made of this a handsome fortune may be made on it and i advise you to it by all means to marry her an old wanton witch i hate her no matter for that let her go to the devil for you she'll cheat her son of a good estate for you that's a prerequisite of a widow's portion always i have a design and will follow her at least till i have a pennyworth of the plantation i speak as a friend when i advise you to marry her for tis directly against the interest of my own family my cousin jack has belaboured her a good while that way what honest jack i'll not hinder him i'll give over the thoughts of her he'll make nothing on it she does not care for him i'm glad you have her in your power i may be able to serve him here's a ship come into the river i was in hopes it had been from england from england no i was disappointed i long to see this handsome cousin of yours the picture you gave me of her has charmed me you'll see whether it has flattered her or no in a little time if she recovered of that illness that was the reason of her staying behind us i know she will come with the first opportunity we shall see her or hear of her death we'll hope the best the ships from england are expected every day what ship is this a rover a buccaneer a trader in slaves that's the commodity we deal in you know 
if you have a curiosity to see our manner of marketing i'll wait upon you we'll take my sister with us exeunt scene two an open place enter lieutenant governor and blandford there's no resisting your fortune blandford you draw all the prizes i draw for our lord governor you know his fortune favours me i grudge him nothing this time but if fortune had favoured me in the last sale the fair slave had been mine clemaine had been mine are you still in love with her every day more in love with her enter captain driver teased and pulled about by widow lackett and several planters enter at another door weldon lucy stanmore and jack here i have six slaves in my lot and not a man among them all women and children what can i do with them captain pray consider i am a woman myself and can't get my own slaves as some of my neighbours do i have all men in mine pray captain let the men and women be mingled together for procreation's sake and the good of the plantation ay ay a man and a woman captain for the good of the plantation let them mingle together and be damned what care i would you have me pimp for the good of the plantation i am a constant customer captain i am always ready money to you captain for that matter mistress my money is as ready as yours pray hear me captain look you i have done my part by you i have brought the number of slaves you bargained for if your lots have not pleased you you must draw again among yourselves i am contented with my lot i am very well satisfied we'll have no drawing again do you hear mistress you may hold your tongue for my part i expect my money captain nobody questions or scruples the payment but i won't hold my tongue tis too much to pray and pay too one may speak for one's own i hope well what would you say i say no more than i can make out out with it then i say things have not been so far carried as they might have been how do i know how you have juggled together in my absence you drew the lots before i came i am sure that's your own fault mistress you might have come sooner then here's a prince as they say among the slaves and do you set him down to go as a common man have you a mind to try what a man he is you'll find him no more than a common man at your business sir you're a scurvy fellow to talk at this rate to me if my husband were alive gad's bodykins you would not use me so right mistress i would not use you at all not use me your betters every interview i would have you to know would be glad to use me sirrah oh, marry come up here who are you i trow you begin to think yourself a captain forsooth because we call you so you forget yourself as fast as you can but i remember you i know you for a pitiful poultry fellow as you are an upstart prosperity one that is but just come acquainted with cleanliness and that never saw five shillings of your own without deserving to be hanged for them <laughs> she has given you a broadside captain you'll stand up to her hang her stink pot i'll come no nearer by this good light 
it would make a woman do a thing she never designed marry again though she was sure to repent it to be revenged of such a what's the matter mistress lackett can i serve you no no you can't serve me you are for serving yourself i'm sure pray go about your business i have none for you you know i have told you so lord how can you be so troublesome nay so unconscionable to think that every rich widow must throw herself away upon a young fellow that has nothing <laughs> jack you are answered i suppose i'll have another pluck at her master weldon i am a little out of order but pray bring your sister to dine with me oh, gad's my life i'm out of all patience with that pitiful fellow my flesh rises at him i can't stay in the place where he is exit captain you have used the widow very familiarly this is my way i have no design and therefore am not over civil if she had ever a handsome daughter to wheedle her out of or if i could make anything of her booby son weldon aside i may improve that hint and make something of him she's very rich i'm rich myself she has nothing that i want i have no leaks to stop old women are fortune menders i have made a good voyage and would reap the fruits of my labor we plough the deep my masters but our harvest is on shore i'm for a young woman look about captain there's one ripe and ready for the sickle a woman indeed i will be acquainted with her who is she my sister sir would i were akin to her if she were my sister she should never go out of the family what do you say mistress you expect i should marry you i suppose lucy turning away i shan't be disappointed if you don't she won't break her heart sir captain driver following her but i mean and i mean going between him and lucy that you must not think of her without marrying i mean so too why then your meaning's out you're very short i will grow and be taller for you i shall grow angry and swear you'll catch no fish then i don't well know whether he designs to affront me or no 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 he's a little familiar tis his way say you so nay i can be as familiar as he if that be it well sir look upon me full what say you how do you like me for a brother-in-law why yes faith you'll do my business turning him about if we can agree about my sisters i don't know whether your sister will like me or not i can't say much to her but i have money enough and if you are her brother as you seem to be akin to her i know that will recommend me to you this is your market for slaves my sister is a free woman and must not be disposed of in public you shall be welcome to my house if you please and upon better acquaintance if my sister likes you and i like your offers very well sir i'll come and see her where are the slaves captain they are long a coming and who is this prince that's fallen to my lot for the lord governor let me know something of him that i may treat him accordingly 
Who is he? He's the devil of a fellow, I can tell you. A prince, every inch of him. You have paid dear enough for him, for all the good he'll do you. I was forced to clap him in irons, and did not think the ship safe, neither. You are in hostility with the Indians, they say. They threaten you daily. You had best have an eye upon him. But who is he? And how do you know him to be a prince? He is son and heir to the great king of Angola, a mischievous monarch in those parts, who by his good will would never let any of his neighbors be in quiet. This son was his general, a plaguy fighting fellow. I have formerly had dealings with him for slaves, which he took prisoners, and have got pretty round by him. But the wars being at an end, and nothing more to be got by the trade of that country, I made bold to bring the prince along with me. How could you do that? What? Steal a prince out of his own country? Impossible! Twas hard indeed, but I did it. You must know this Orinoco— Is that his name? Aye, Orinoco. Orinoco is naturally inquisitive about the men and manners of the white nations, because I could give him some account of the other parts of the world, I grew very much into his favor. In return of so great an honor, you know I could do no less upon my coming away than invite him on board me. Never having been in a ship, he appointed his time, and I prepared my entertainment. He came the next evening as privately as he could, with about some twenty along with him. The punch went round, and as many of his attendants as would be dangerous, I sent dead drunk on shore. The rest we secured. And so you have the Prince Orinoco. Gather mercy, Captain. There you were with him, I faith. Such men as you are fit to be employed in public affairs. The plantation will thrive by you. Industry should be encouraged. There is nothing done without it, boys. I have made my fortune this way. Unheard of villainy. Barbarous treachery. They applaud him for it. But, Captain, methinks you have taken a great deal of pains for this Prince Oroonoko. Why did you part with him at the common rate of slaves? Why, Lieutenant Governor, I'll tell you. I did design to carry him to England, to have showed him there, but I found him troublesome upon my hands, and I'm glad I'm rid of him. Oh, ho, here they come. Black slaves, men, women, and children, pass across the stage by two and two, Aboan and others of Orinoco's attendants two and two, Orinoco last of all, in chains. Are all these wretched slaves? All sold, they and their posterity, all slaves. Oh, miserable fortune. Most of them know no better. They were born so and only changed their masters. But a prince, born only to command, betrayed and sold. My heart drops blood for him. Now, governor, here he comes. Pray, observe him. So, sir, you have kept your word with me. 
i am a better christian i thank you than to keep it with a heathen you are a christian be a christian still if you have any god that teaches you to break your word i need not curse you more let him cheat you as you are false to me you faithful followers of my better fortune we have been fellow-soldiers in the field embracing his friends now we are fellow-slaves this last farewell be sure of one thing that will comfort us whatever world we next are thrown upon cannot be worse than this all slaves go off but orinoco you see what a bloody pagan he is governor but i took care that none of his followers should be in the same lot with him for fear they should undertake some desperate action to the danger of the colony live still in fear it is the villain's curse and will revenge my chains fear even me who have no power to hurt thee nature abhors and drives thee out from the society and commerce of mankind for breach of faith men live and prosper but in mutual trust a confidence of one another's truth that thou hast violated i have done i know my fortune and submit to it sir i am sorry for your fortune and would help it if i could take off his chains you know your condition but you are fallen into honourable hands you are the lord governor's slave who will use you nobly in his absence it shall be my care to serve you blandford applying to him i hear you but i believe no more captain i'm afraid the world won't speak so honourably of this action of yours as you would have them i have the money let the world speak and be damned i care not i would forget myself to blandford be satisfied i am above the rank of common slaves let that content you the christian there that knows me for his own sake will not discover more i have other matters to mind you have him and may much good do you with your prince exit the planters pulling and staring at orinoco what would you have there you stare as if you never saw a man before stand further off turns them away let them stare on i am unfortunate but not ashamed of being so no let the guilty blush the white man that betrayed me honest black disdains to change its color i am ready where must i go dispose me as you please i am not well acquainted with my fortune but must learn to know it better so i know you say degrees make all things easy all things shall be easy tear off this pomp and let me know myself the slavish habit best becomes me now hard fare and whips and chains may overpower the frailer flesh and bow my body down but there's another nobler part of me out of your reach which you can never tame you shall find nothing of this wretchedness you apprehend we are not monsters all you seem unwilling to disclose yourself therefore for fear the mentioning your name should give you new disquiets 
I presume to call you Caesar. I am myself, but call me what you please. A very good name, Caesar. And very fit for his great character. Was Caesar then a slave? I think he was, to pirates too. He was a great conqueror, but unfortunate in his friends. His friends were Christians? No. No? That's strange. And murdered by him. I would be Caesar there, and yet I live. Live to be happier. Do what you will with me. I'll wait upon you, attend, and serve you. Exit with Orinoco. Well, if the captain had brought this prince's country along with him, and would make me queen of it, I would not have him, after doing so base a thing. He's a man to thrive in the world, sister. He'll make you the better jointure. Hang him! Nothing can prosper with him. Enquire into the great estates, and you will find most of them depend on the same title of honesty. The men who raise them first are much of the captain's principles. Ay, ay, as you say, let him be damned for the good of his family. Come, sister, we are invited to dinner. Stanmore, you dine with me. Exeunt. End of Act One